Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Mind on the Game. This is a Vent Sports podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker, and presented to you by Vent, which is a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. In each episode of Mind on the Game, I check in with men and women from across the sporting landscape. We talk all about their sporting journeys, their mental health and how they keep their mind on the game. My special guest for this episode of Mind on the Game is a returning guest and a very old and good friend of Vent. Charlie Roebuck was one of the very first authors and Vent champions on the website almost five years ago now. Charlie then came on the podcast for episode 42 to talk about his journey into professional cricket and into amateur cricket after injuries curtailed his career at Yorkshire. We discussed dressing room culture, his stigma at being labelled a sick note, in inverted commas because of the injuries that he had and his experience of depression and suicidality as a result. A lot has happened in Charlie's life since we last chatted. Previously he was a father of one, now he is a father of three. He has also stepped away from amateur cricket for the time being to concentrate on a new sport of running. So he ran the Rob Burrow Marathon in May 2023 in Leeds to raise money for cancer charity Myeloma UK as his granddad sadly died of the disease in August 2021. I discussed his granddad with his sister Jasmine Roebuck in her episode, so in this episode Charlie will be giving his perspective on that grief, the power of running in helping his mental health and of course a fatherhood update. We finish by discussing his experience of EMDR therapy which he did in 2021, which as you listeners may know I've also done two rounds of myself. So this is how this episode of Mind on the Game with Charlie Roebuck went down. Charlie Roebuck, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to Mind on the Game for the first time. Thank you very much for coming on letting me check back in with you, mate. You are a very big and old time friend of Vents. It feels like those are just two mates catching up now. How are you, mate? Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be on, mate. Yeah, I haven't been on for a while, have I? So it's nice to get back into it. Nice a long to- time, mate. A long time ago. But no, not too bad. Going all right. So yeah, can't grumble. So how are you? All right. Uh, yeah, time recording, I'm still in recovery from surgery, so depending on how when this goes out, I might be recovered, I might not be, so <laughs> who knows. I'm feeling a lot better than I was last week, mate, so yeah, it was pretty grim last week, I can't lie, but hopefully back to full fitness in a couple of weeks, Max. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Exactly, mate. A lot has happened since we last chatted, mate. A lot of big positives, a lot of difficult moments. We're going to discuss all of them, so without further ado, are you ready to start the show? Let's go, mate. Looking forward to it. Let's start Mind on the Game by checking back in with your sporting journey, mate. You have made the decision to step away from cricket for the time being, and you've taken up a new sport, running. To tell the listeners briefly why you made the decision and how running has helped your mental health. Yeah, cricket's been a massive part of my life, going back since I was a young lad, probably about 13, 14. Played a lot of it, and I think... It's got to a point where I just wasn't enjoying turning up on a Saturday and actually playing the game. I enjoy being with lads and the social side of it a bit more than anything. But I was getting some feelings of anxiousness, and especially over the last five or six years, it was starting to creep in during the week and and stuff. So I thought I'm not enjoying the playing, um, and it's not 
like playing in the garden and stuff like that, which it should be. It's just a game at the end of the day. So I took the decision, yeah, just to have a bit of a break and try some new things, spend a bit of time with the family, take up um, some new stuff, see how that kind of goes. But yeah, it's obviously a tough decision, but something that is hopefully going to have a bit positive and hopefully bring that enjoyment back. And I'm not too old, even though my body sometimes tells me I am. <laughs> so I've got a bit of time and I'm still involved cricket, going and watching um, and the social side of it and, and, and that. So yeah, I got into it. It was actually a conversation with someone that I worked with. She got me into a bit of running and I just started probably mid last year just going out when I was feeling a bit down and just doing a few K in there, but as fast as I kind of could, just to kind of relieve a lot of stress more than anything and, and clear the head. And then, and obviously the sports I played football and cricket is more short sprint work type stuff that you do than, than the endurance side of it. So I was just used to running short times, doing sprints, getting, getting that. So I, I, I use that more than anything, but she's done a lot of marathons. So she kind of threw something in there. Um, and just went, do you fancy a marathon? And I'm like, well, at the moment, I can't run more than about 2K. But she kept going, must have been two or three months, and she kind of ground me down. And at Christmas time, I just said, why not? So, yeah, like I say, I think before Christmas, the furthest I'd run were then probably about 5K. And like I say, I'm more built for speed. So, yeah, it's been an interesting journey running, but it's been something that's been quite enjoyable. And, and I think, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, having a challenge, having a purpose helps with mental health as well. End goal of the, what, 26 and a bit miles to aim for and having a training plan and routine and, and stuff. And that had a massive, massive impact on me and was something that, once I got it into the routine, something that's kind of actually helped my mental health massively and I've noticed a massive difference and I just started enjoying it and just started running. You you can run anywhere and where I kind of live, I'm in Huddersfield, we're in the Pennines. The scenery is just phenomenal. The hills are very nice to run up. <laughs> They're nice to run down, but run up has been pretty hard. But some of the views and getting at one kind of with nature and seeing things and times of day that you run, morning nights and different and stuff and yeah and it's a nice time to reset your mind and and stuff and clear all the all the stuff out but also a good time to think and and do stuff um and that and yeah it's been really really good before we talk about the marathon you told me off air that you used to hate running so what flicked the switch what made you start enjoying it and as i say to all my guests how do you keep your mind on the game when you're in the running and you're in the zone? <laughs> yeah, running's never been, it's never something that's fun. I think it was because when I was running in past, it was first training for probably more elite. Pre-season. <laughs> yeah, pre-season elite sport. You're running up and down hills as fast as you can and you've got someone screaming at you, you need to be quicker, you need to do five more and it's just like, Jesus, yeah, don't need that. So your memories associated with it are never never good but this time you can go at your own pace it didn't matter so I could just literally go out and run it became part of my way of releasing like I mentioned stress or just getting out and having 10 15 20 30 up to then obviously the more you do an hour to yourself where you can think about what you want to think about think about stuff run where you want to run do what you want to do and Mostly the benefits to my mental health and how I was with not only in myself, 
but the relationships I had with other people as well, it enhanced that because I was feeling a bit more refreshed. I had more time on my hands, I felt, and I felt I engaged a lot more because I was getting rid of a lot of stuff that was kind of locked in that you didn't do. And I was dealing with it by going out and running for periods. And when you've got that much time, um, as you probably know yourself, you start going through the things in your head and working them out yourself. I am always one, if you work it out yourself, it sticks a lot more mm. than working it out for you. And I use my running as that time to go over stuff and kind of change my thought processes. And yeah, it kind of saved me from a lot of dark moments because mm. I'd stick on my running trainers and go. <laughs> like a physical lubricant for problem solving in your own head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. And where you're running and stuff like I say around here, you're running on through Pennines and stuff and being out in nature actually relieves a lot more stuff than you think because I'm running on pills and I'm not seeing people, I'm not seeing cars, I'm, I'm literally just seeing fields and greenery and fresh air and you don't have that hustle and bustle when you're in a work environment or in town or places like that. And yeah, that were really really important it's actually stuck in my routine and now when I don't run I feel like I want to run and I've never really felt that and I know that if if I'm feeling bad and I go out for half an hour 20 minutes of running somewhere I know what that can do for me and it's yeah it's a it's a really good way of of getting stuff out let's talk about the marathon now so you (laughs) ran the Rob Burrow Leeds marathon in May 2023 so as you said, you've explained a little bit of the process already. Just tell me back to the day itself. How did you feel before it, during it, and when you crossed the finish line? Yeah, so the day was, uh, I think if you speak to anyone who did it, it was a wonderful spectacle. The atmosphere and stuff in there was pretty pretty wild. You were chatting to people, literally everyone was just talking to everyone. It were, you all had a common goal to complete this this challenge. And you had a common goal of the training and everything that you've also been through as well. So starting and stuff, yeah, you're nervous because you know what's coming up. It's not exactly a short, so you know you're going to be running for a long, long time. But yeah, starting and stuff, yeah, leading up to it, um, I didn't run much. Um, I had a bit of a niggle, so I didn't really run for two weeks beforehand. So I'm a bit nervous because I haven't run. But once you get going and stuff and seeing the different people that are running, what people are running for, the different charities... It kind of gives you a boost. And then it started at Edinley Stadium. Once you got into Headingley and down into Leeds City Centre and back through Edinley on the route, literally there were I lost count of the amount of people that you saw and everyone in Leeds and people had travelled from miles. Every village you ran through, everywhere. People were just running out, shouting, giving you encouragement, signs of handing you sweets, drinks and stuff. And they just carry you through. And that's something that will stick with me for a long time because everyone just wants to see you do well. You've never met any of these people before, but they're coming up to you shouting. Or if you're going in a place where there's not as many people and you see someone struggling, there's always two or three runners that you're running with that will help you get through. And, yeah, it was something special. And then, one, obviously, when you hit that last mile and, you know, you're coming back down through Headingley, again, everyone's just cheering you and it gives you an extra bit of wind to finish and then once you cross that finish line the feeling's absolutely monumental of the achievement that you've done and everyone's hugging everyone and you're just so so happy it's yeah it were a pretty special day 
you decided to raise money for Myeloma UK, which is the yep. chosen charity for the, the sponsorship that you did because of your granddad's death, which we'll discuss later in the pod, mate. But without his death, do you think you'd have done the marathon? Um, I think because of the way I got into it through Alison, I'd have probably still run with her. I might not have run for that charity. It might have been a different charity. But I think the journey I went on with with Alison and the conversations we had and, and stuff about it, I think I'd have got into it, but just in a little bit of a different way of doing it. Obviously, a different charity and stuff like that. But obviously, Grandad's death did have a big impact on, on why I did it, because I wanted to do something in his memory as such and raise a bit of money for the people that supported him. So it were a bit of both. But yeah, I think I'd have got on a journey and, and as I go, I'd have definitely tried to find something anyway. <laughs> when we spoke off air, I'm, I'm right in saying that some of your friends have also contracted the condition in recent years. So was this marathon as much for them as maybe it was for your granddad too? Yeah, one of my close mates, his mum's been going through treatment. So obviously knowing what he's going through, because we went through it, it kind of had an impact on that as well, because it gave me a bit of something else to raise money for. So them having them too and the support and stuff, yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously the condition of my loan can be a lonely, tough place for families. Doing my little bit to kind of help them and give them give some money back that they can use to support others was yeah it was a massive part and obviously the relationships I have with with my granddad and family and obviously my friend and his mum dad and everyone and his sister and stuff that have been going through that was definitely an extra extra push to do it. And as we reflect on this continued sporting journey, mate, what has it taught you about yourself? Um, it's actually taught me quite a bit that you can do something that pushes you to your limits and that probably a lot of people didn't reckon I'd be able to do um obviously I think we mentioned previously I've got a track record of injuries so I've got a back condition that I've been managing since I was what 17 18 now so yeah 14 years a really chronic back injury that's that caused a lot I had two knee operations I think in 2019 that we did the last pod I think about mm-hmm. so knowing that you've had these injuries these tough things where people have say you can't really do something was obviously a drive and and it's knowing that if you put your mind to something you can do it and and knowing that I can still do stuff if I want to and it it shows the resilience of of what you've got inside you so yeah I've learned a lot about myself and uh, and how far I can push myself but also I've learned a lot about my support network and people support me as well which has been brilliant We've talked all about Charlie the Runner and your continued sporting journey. I want to delve a bit deeper and go back into your mental health journey once more, Charlie. So a lot has happened since we last spoke. Your sister's graduated, so I'll give her a shout out. Friend of the pod as well, Jasmine Roebuck. She's graduated, so congratulations to her. At time of recording a week ago. So with you, what has happened to you since we last spoke? What feedback did you get on part one? How was it received? And who's the Charlie we meet now? Yeah, we had some good feedback on part one, to be honest. Um, a lot of friends and people reached out and had a chat with, um, and it's always good to raise the issue. And there's um, people that may necessarily not not have said anything to people that were coming out and saying, actually, yeah, I felt that when I was in that place and stuff like that. So, the, so yeah, the conversations that we created were good. Mental health-wise, yeah, we've had a lot of events going on, and my mental health's taken a, quite a big battering with them but yeah I've been on a journey I've tried some new therapy worked out what actually helps triggers and things like that which have put me in a better 
better mindset to know that when something does happen, I do have the ability and the um, toolkit as such to get through it, which is good. And I've also realised who my true big friends are that have supported me and the people that, when stuff ain't going right, that have, that have reached out. And I always think talking's good. Um, and I've got some really, really close friends, family, and everyone that I talk to and utilise. And hopefully I do the same for them as well. So, yeah, it's been a journey, but coming out the other side and made some tough decisions, which we mentioned, but decisions that have put me in a better place to, to be more, I like to use the phrase, be more present be in that moment and it's something that i've used a while that phrase be present and these have kind of put me in that frame we're going to talk about that therapy in a bit but i want to talk about grief first because as we discussed earlier the reason you ran the marathon was in memory of your granddad alan roebuck who passed away in august 2021 now i've spoken to jazz about it which i'm sure you listened to when her episode came out but i want to talk about your relationship with your granddad so tell me about that and the man he was to you yeah granddad was probably my hero as such I grew up a lot with granddad and he was just kind of someone that was on my sporting journey my life journey I was very very close to granddad he's more than a granddad he was one of my best friends he's with someone that I go to and have these conversations when I was struggling or if I needed advice or or whatnot I spent a lot of time with with granddad um obviously like I mentioned we we sport football cricket etc he'd be the person that were driving me to and from games because obviously mum and dad were working so I spent a lot of time in the car and, and just chatting and stuff. So, yeah, the relationship with our granddad was really, really close. And, yeah, I found, obviously, losing him was, was really hard. But the memories we had with him were, were second to none. And it's been a challenge, but I were really close to granddad. When it comes to those car journeys, then, are there any favourite sort of ad-libs or sayings or things that he would say to you that you keep close to you now? Or was it just, is it just the memories? The memories will never go, but... Before he passed away, I was struggling a bit with stuff, and he actually sent me a text, which I've still got on my phone. I wear it on my wrist. I've had it engraved and into a bracelet, which was the sun will shine again. Um, and that's just sits with very me. Huddersfield. That uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the last last thing I have uh, received from him. So yeah, that kind of something that sits with me. But just the way he could change a bad game or a bad moment into something with his logical way of thinking and and stuff was something that I try now to use when I'm struggling his way of working stuff out and things but yeah mostly just the memories of being in and around him and going down to their house all the time and playing in the park opposite their house um, or whatever or holiday literally yeah but that's the saying that kind of sticks out and something that's really close to me or watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang <laughs> You also did the eulogy at his funeral, if I'm right in saying. So how difficult was that to do just in writing it, but also maybe the responsibility of delivering it to an audience was also trying to keep your emotions in check, I imagine, too. Yeah, probably the hardest thing I've had to write. I've still got a copy of it somewhere in one of my folders. But yeah, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to write. I think, uh, don't know how many were at his funeral. I'll be honest, I don't hear yeah, in the funeral. I kind of went into autopilot. Mm. Obviously, I carried him in with my dad, my cousins, um, uncles, and stuff. So, um, and then, yeah, going up to stand, it was um, kind of tried to, because Grandad were very good at speaking. I tried to envisage that. You don't want to let him down. You don't want to do the memory and of him well. I think, I don't know if I, I can't remember. I had Flossie with me. Flossie were there. So I kind of distracted myself with Flosser 
No, no, sorry, it wasn't Flossie, it was Finian. Flossie came later on because we didn't want her seeing that, so sorry, it was Finian. He must have only been... How old would Finian have been then? Two months old. So I was kind of playing with Finian and distracting myself with him until I had to speak um, and then speak. Yeah, I went into a bit of autopilot and then I said the last line and just lost it. <laughs> but, yeah, everyone who said after and stuff said, I couldn't have summed it up better, but yeah, it was yeah, it was very, 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 very tough. And his last wish <laughs> was to see Finian, because Finian was due on the seventh of no, when was Finian was due about the tenth of August, and Grandad told us obviously that he was stopping chemo and everything, and his last wish was to see Finian, and Finian was born exactly a week before my granddad died at the same time that my granddad passed so it was pretty spooky but we literally Hannah won't thank me for it but just literally I gave birth got all the clear went straight to my granddad's house <laughs> so that was pretty special that he got he got the morning and stuff with him and given his very stereotypically Yorkshire logic Charlie if he was <laughs> listening to this podcast what do you think you would say to him and what do you think he would say to you? Um, I don't think we'd say much. He'd probably just uh, tell me, well done, you spoke well. Um, <laughs> and I'd probably would just have that conversation. Like, he's not one for saying much, but I'd probably get a phone call or something later on after I'd seen him or something saying, yeah, he's pretty proud of what we've done and, and saying stuff. But yeah, that was kind of how it was. <laughs> mm. Sometimes you only need that, don't you? Sometimes it's as easy as that. Yeah, yeah, with the first person, like, that's the thing that I did miss when, when I was playing cricket after, was every cricket game, I'd get in the car and drive home and ring him and just have a chat about the game. So that's kind of something that, that I did miss from, from cricket, especially because I think played the week after and got 130 because I just wanted to do I did it for him, but obviously I couldn't share it with him. But that was probably one of the most special hundreds I've hit. And then the day after the funeral, I hit another 100. So they were kind of nice, nice kind of finishes and thanks to him. So mm. just like that. Let's move on to the therapy now, which you accessed last year, which was EMDR. I've done two rounds of it myself. It's quite hard to explain to people who haven't done it. <laughs> so in as simple terms as you can, tell the listeners what it is and how it helped your mental health, mate. It's like being hypnotised, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's all about basically you sit in a room with someone and you sit there and you speak about a life event or something that links you to something. So mine was based around fear of failure. One of mine was just sitting in a changing room after cricket getting no runs, sitting with a towel over my head, thinking what the hell's going on type thing. And And the other one was the time I got released from Yorkshire, which was the same pose. In the change rooms, I got told that I didn't have a contract anymore. I just had to hide it from 11 lads, which was great fun. So you go into that moment, so you sat in your chair, you go into that moment, you start recognising kind of your feelings, what that memory is. You look at how you are, you sat, so all your focus in your head is is that. So you kind of feel like you're in that moment again, in that memory. And then the woman goes, right, you're ready. And you're like, yeah, yeah, so you're in that. And then you, she's got a f- like. I don't know if you had the same her finger. Yeah, yeah, you can do it yourself or they give you like something to follow. I did it myself, but yeah. 
Yeah, so she was just in, sat in front of me with her finger going probably about the ruler then from side to side, and you literally, your eyes, you fix. You just the, flick them from side to side like that, yeah. Finger and follow it, and then as you're doing this, you kind of zone out, and you end up in this memory, but going around to the different feelings and parts of this memory. So it may be another thought, it may be your feet feeling heavy or literally it could be anything it, it varies on person to person and then you go into that you delve into it you do a few rounds on that memory and see where that journey takes you and try and work through that journey into the memory until it kind of stops yeah you stop feeling everything your brain heals itself that's what i describe it as yeah and your brain kind of turns it into a different yep. different memory as such or a different yeah. it eradicates them feelings that are kind of linked to that so it's it's quite yeah. bizarre People are going to think we're mad talking about it, but <laughs> for some reason it works. Yeah, the official term is you change the negative cognition of the memory into a positive cognition. So yeah. for you, if you go into the memory of being released from Yorkshire, the negative cognition would be, I'm a failure, I'm worthless, what am I doing playing cricket anymore, etc, etc, etc. And the positive could be, no, I am worthy of something, and it goes from there. Yeah, you're reaffirming that. Stan, so the person I work with, she told me to think of a word and kind of yes when you hear that word and push that into it. So you're kind of pushing it out with one side of your brain into the other. Yeah, it's it's weird, but yeah, it worked. <laughs> mm. I had a lot of deep and very emotional conversations with younger versions of myself inside my own head. Did you do that too? Yeah, I had some um, interesting stuff going on, conversations and things like that, but... Most of mine were feelings. I got more feelings mm. and, yeah, and losses like, so like when you're nervous, like your body goes heavy type feelings and stuff like that. So I got kind of a lot of that. When it comes to the EMDR as well, how did it help your relationships with other people and how you supported people with their mental health? So how did it teach you to be more secure in yourself to support others too? I've always found it easy to help others. Mm. <laughs> Someone else's problems of my own as such but understanding that and how it can work gives you another way that you can communicate with someone and say actually don't be frightened of these feelings they're just feelings or emotions or whatnot they're not actually actually there and you can kind of look at things more logically and try and explain that but supporting people it's it's always challenging because you can say stuff but knowing that if someone opened up, I do know stuff about it and I've tried different things instead of just saying, well, actually, just go talk to someone or whatever. I'm going to say, actually, look, there's ways that you can find it's not just one thing, it's two, three, four, five, six different options. Maybe the talking hasn't worked for you. Have you thought about this one? So it gives me some more information to talk to people that are struggling and say, actually, have you tried CBT or whatever? Yeah, I tried that. I didn't I didn't find it. Well, have you tried this then? You just understand that there is more options and you've done it yourself. So you know how it can feel and how it can work. Let's talk about fatherhood again, because since we last <laughs> chatted, you have tripled the amount of children you have. You've gone from one to three. So how has this shaped your mental health? I imagine increased your stress a little bit, but also giving you lots of benefits too. Yeah, it's um, it's good. So Flossie is now four, so she starts school in September. Finian's two at the end of this month, July, and 
Albert is three months old now. So, so yeah, we don't have any sleep. <laughs> but we have the conversations with the kids about mental health, which is good. So Flossie understands stuff. And, yeah, the stress levels can increase at times. But that's anything. And being a dad's actually, I've actually enjoyed it. I really enjoy the journey, watching them guys grow, playing, developing, doing stuff and taking an interest in different things. And, yeah, just enjoy it. Like, Flossie wants to go out and do stuff with your finians now, start playing football and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's great. It's given me a sense of purpose because you've got a lot more responsibilities, um, as everyone will know, if if they've had kids. But mental health-wise, it's been great because... I get home from work, it's best time of day. <laughs> Come in, kids are running round, they run up to you, dah, dah. they don't care how your day's gone on work, all they care is that you're at home. So that hour, two hours when I get home from work is great because we just play games and my work issues are left at work. So, yeah, the kids have been great and, yeah, I, I absolutely love it to pieces. I think I think it's best thing that's ever happened to me you're just hoping now that they all get to a stage where they all can play together so you can leave get some time for yourself <laughs> you're doing a bit of refereeing at points <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm sure they'll get there but we've got floss is the only girl so she lives on her own kind of mantra she's like oh i'm the only girl i'm the head of the house type thing uh, but the way, she, the way how confident and stuff she is is it's actually given me more confidence to go out and do stuff but then, yeah, the boys, I think Finian's at that age where he just wants to play and do stuff. So he wants to play with Flossie, but Flossie's at that age where sometimes he don't want to. So you're refereeing there, but he'll just be waiting for Albert to start running and crawling around. And um, once he, yeah, we're just going to leave him to it and <laughs> let him play. <laughs> Let's reflect on this mental health journey, mate. So I've got a few questions left. The first one is, since part one, what other tools, maybe outside of therapy, have you developed to help you with your mental health on a day-to-day basis? Because you mentioned journaling is one that's helped you recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't see because where I'm set up, my journal's actually sat here next to me. It's something I write in literally every single day. It's not a journal as in going in and writing this happened, this happened type thing. It's it's more of a gratitude diary or things that make me smile and I've enjoyed type stuff or something successful. So you remember all the positives from the day instead of that one negative. Because we've all been there. You get a negative phone call or someone, whatever, at work. And that's the thing you fixate on for rest of the day. Whereas this just gives me a chance to write, actually, yeah, I'll just write all the good stuff. And then I can go back and flick through it. So journey, that type of stuff's been great. Running exercise has always been something that I do. I try and do something each day, but I'm quite lucky. I live a 10, 15 minute walk from where I work. I, literally every day I walk to work, whatever, whatever, just because it gives me half an hour out of the house walking. Obviously with EDM, I have logical thinking, so challenging thoughts. If I get a negative thought, I'll, I'll write it out, write what's associated with it and then challenge it with, with facts and stuff. So, so that's something. And then making sure an hour, two hours, I'm with kids. So we'll play games, have tea and do all that. So I'll be around, but then make sure um, we put the kids to bed, which is great because we just sit and read for half an hour. So reading books and stuff like that's great. Um, but then me and Hannah get us time as well. We always make sure that we get an hour 
two hours or whatever on an evening where we get our TV, have our tea, and it's just me and Hannah, which is great because it keeps our relationship good. And we get some time to, well, she likes it because she gets some time to be an adult because she's still on maternity leave. I'm like, well, I can't really say that because I'm, I'm probably bigger in the house. And, yeah, and then constantly keeping in touch or having the confidence to speak to someone if I do feel a bit or if um, I need 10 minutes, take 10 minutes and don't be too scared not to. But then also I've just started playing golf the last five months as well, not every day, but that's something that's had a great thing because it's a different sport trying it and I can leave it on golf course. It's a sport, so I'm keeping that bit of competitive edge in there and can play with my mates because a lot of them are golfers or or whatnot. So I've been something there that's a bit different. And as a final two questions, A, what has this continued mental health journey taught you about yourself? And B, if you could go back and talk to Charlie who was grieving for his granddad, the Charlie in the middle of that EMDR therapy, or the Charlie who was wondering whether to take up running, what would you say to him knowing what you do now? Um, told me a lot, of the, like I said, I've probably mentioned already, the, the resilience and these times don't last. Just remind yourself that they don't last. Then if I'm going to go back and speak to myself, it's probably the same. And the times don't last. You've got the tools to get through it. Utilise them. Don't say, oh, I'm going to try later. Utilise them. Try your tools. Make sure you use them. And, and don't be scared to ask people to, to have a chat, like your friends or whatever, because people are there for you. So it's just reaffirming that that you are strong enough. You have got the people there that will support you and you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Um, Don't be scared of challenges. That's why we're all here. Because, yes, it may be tough. You may have a long road. You may not want to do something at that time, especially on the running journey. Some days you don't want to go out running, but you feel better for doing it. And the success that you get at the end and the achievement is something that they'll stick with you. So, yeah, don't be scared of anything. You can do it anyway. You're strong enough and the sun will always shine. The sun will always shine. What a great way to end it. Charlie Roebuck, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and on Mind of the Game and talking to me, mate. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Good to see you. And, yeah, shout out to all the, the listeners. And up the town. Uh, up the town, yeah. Neil Warnock. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all we've got time for in this episode of Mind on the Game. A big thank you to Charlie for being my special guest on this episode and for letting me check in with him once more. As always, thank you to all the vendors who tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also go to our Patreon to support us. That's www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk. Or you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe, buy a Vent t-shirt, or buy a ticket to the Just Checking In Podcast live show. That's Friday, September 29th, 2023 at the Eton Manor Rugby Club in Wanstead. All of those links are on our link tree. That's www.linktr.ee slash venthelpuk. Stay tuned for the next episode of Mind on the Game. And remember guys, it is always okay to vent. Vent.